Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's episode of the Sports Mill Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Clay Miller, and I'm so excited to talk about today's topic because we are only and exclusively discussing March Madness and the NCAA Tournament Bracket that has been released. In my opinion, the greatest sporting event in the world, and we'll get into why I think that here in a minute. I hope you're filling out brackets. I hope you plan to fill one out. And if you're not, then grab one right now as you're listening to this episode because there's no greater feeling than filling out that bracket and knowing that everything you just put down on paper that you just entered into the tournament challenge app that we download once a year is exactly right. That it is truth, that it is gospel, and will come to fruition when the tournament starts. Of course, Our dreams will only be eviscerated within moments of the tournament starting, but we're not going to think about that today, and I hope you don't as you fill out your bracket because I am going to give you tips and tricks to fill out that perfect bracket, some trends to look forward to, and all my wealth of knowledge. And we're also just going to break down the tournament in general today, the teams that I like to make a run, the players that I like, and the teams that I don't like and the players that maybe I don't care for as much as well. And then to close today's episode, I'm going to have a very special segment, a very special guest. Sully is not here with me today, but that gives me the opportunity to have on my brother, Charlie Miller, to do a really fun segment. And if you don't listen to anything else on this episode, I would encourage you to go to the end to listen to me and him. He's a lot more funny, or he's a lot funnier, I should say, than I am. Uh, And I know you won't be disappointed in listening to that. But all right, let's talk about March Madness. Um, in my opinion, as I said, it's there's nothing like this tournament. There's nothing like this sporting event. And it's the, the best thing as fans that we get to watch for several reasons. But for one, what other sport do we have 64 teams from all over the country competing for the ultimate prize in the sport? There is no really other uh, sport like that. Um, I know soccer has like the Champions Cup, things like that. But... The NCAA tournament is one of a kind, and there are several reasons that we love it. But to me, what makes it so captivating, what makes it so exciting and so inspirational, if you will, is that it is the purest form of sport. And I mentioned this when I talked about the Olympics on my very first episode. But these teams, these players, are not playing for anything. I mean, I need to be careful I say that. But they're playing not for money. They don't get paid to do this, although they could in the long run. Not really for personal gain, although there is certainly some personal gain that comes out of it. But they're playing for the love of their schools, for the pride in their school, for their teammates, for their the players next to them, for their coaches, and for the stage and the atmosphere that the NCAA tournament gives them. Because it's something bigger than everyone. And that's why you never it's never really focused on one player. The tournament is so much bigger than one player player it's about the storylines it's about the teams that we get out of this tournament and it creates a stage unlike any other because it's not a professional sport where it's all about money we see so many amazing things so many amazing storylines and what makes the tournament so great is that no one knows what is going to happen you never know who's going to win and because of that you get cinderellas running through the tournament you get teams with really great stories coming up hot runs and even you do have those goliaths if you will who make it to the tournament. But that's still a surprise because it's nothing is set in stone. Everything uh, is to be determined, if you will, and we don't really know what's going to happen. And certainly I think that's true with this year's tournament as I want to move into talking about a little bit 
specifically about this year's tournament. Obviously, with the coronavirus, we haven't had a normal tournament in a while, and I think you know th- those things affected the sport a little bit because I think now we have a college basketball landscape to where no one is truly just head and shoulders above anyone else. The four one seeds this year, while very good teams, and I think the committee got it right as putting those four teams as the one seeds, scare me half to death when picking them in this bracket. I think any of them could lose within the first two or three games. Would not shock me at all. And in fact, I think that will happen some. And we'll talk about that a little later. But there truly is a ton of parity in the sport now. And any team can be anyone. And the number one takeaway that I got from the Selection Sunday, from the bracket, is that seeding is a sham now. Seeding does not really matter at all. And I would caution you as you're filling out your bracket to think about that. Because some of the decisions the committee made make no sense to me. And that's fine. You know, teams get into the tournament. As long as they do, then they have an opportunity to win. And they need to go win the games in front of them. But we place so much emphasis on the regular season and what you do to get to your seed. And then when it t- comes time to pick the bracket, I feel as if the committee every year lets us down. And I'll start with Duke. Duke is a good team. And I'm not a Duke hater, although I, I don't really pull for them. I don't necessarily love Coach K as much as other people do. But I understand this year was his last is his last year. I understand people want it to be special. The Duke community does. They're 28 and 6. They have a good record. They won the regular season. But the ACC is undoubtedly the weakest big conference. Duke lost their last home game, their last regular season game to North Carolina at home. Then they go to the ACC tournament. Easily could have lost to Syracuse. Probably the argument is made they would have if Buddy Beheim does not get suspended. And then they lose to Virginia Tech in the championship game. And instead of considering what some of these other teams have done, we hand them a two seed. And I don't understand it. I really don't. You look across the bracket and you see three seed Tennessee. And they have a record of 26-7, and seven, a, little, a little worse than Duke, but are playing in a much better conference. They had a fantastic end to the year. They ran through the SEC tournament beating Kentucky on the way there. And they are rewarded with a three seed um, in a very tough bracket, if I have to say so myself. And, and I don't understand. I would like to know what the committee's thought process was in ranking them below a team like Duke. Because we say the, we say the eye test matters, but we also say the resume matters. What they did in the conference tournament. Those things matter. But yet we don't make that come to fruition when we seed them in the tournament. I also look at a team like Iowa who, by, by what the committee says, is plays in the best conference in the nation. The Big Ten has nine teams in the tournament, three more than any other conference. Iowa is 26-9, very good record. I know they came on late in the year, but they won the Big Ten tournament handily, looked amazing, and we give them a five seed. A five seed, which is notorious for, of course, being the 5-12 upset. And I'm going to say right now, I have Iowa as my darling, as my dark horse through this year's tournament. But I don't understand how you look at what they did and you look at what Duke did and you're like, there's three C's between them. Um, I, I just don't understand that. And like I said, in the long run, it doesn't really matter because if you're in the tournament, you have a chance to win and you need to take care of business. But I will say, if we're going to place emphasis on seeding and come out with where they are, then make it make sense. Show some transparency on why you think these teams should be seeded where they are. And for the most part, you know, we have a very good bracket, and I like the way it is. 
But just overall, I think there I have some issues, and I know several fans of teams do, with how things were seated. I'm not as concerned about the last four in or first four out as some other people. If you're on the bubble, you're on the bubble. And that's such a hard judgment to call. Although I will say, if you're objectively going to say, and what I was upset about, I'm upset Texas A&M got left out. You may call that SEC bias. But the teams that got in over them didn't necessarily have better regular season resumes, played in possibly worse conferences. A&M almost wins the SEC tournament. And then we look at their metrics, we look at their net rankings, and they're above some of these other teams that got in. And I just want to know why. Like, what are you looking at? If it's the eye test, I don't really see that. If it's the metrics, I don't see that either. And so I think there just needs to be some transparency on to how we pick these teams. And at the end of the day, if you're on the bubble, you're on the bubble. And all those teams that they put in, the first four, could end up you know, making some noise in the tournament. Not arguing that. But I do think there needs to be a little more transparency as to how we see these teams and who gets in. With that being said, I don't want to be negative about the NCAA tournament because, as I mentioned, it's, to me, the, the best sporting event that we have in the world. And now I want to move into talking about the tips and tricks that I am going to give you to fill out the perfect bracket. Because that's what we all want. And that's what makes March Madness so great is that nobody knows who what's going to happen. And if they do, they are lying. They're lying to you. Because what I've learned is that someone who never watches college basketball, never, can pick up a pen and pencil or download the Tournament Challenge app, go fill out a bracket, and absolutely smoke someone, me, who watches college basketball a lot and thinks they know what they're talking about. And so it really is a unifying thing in the world that you can go up to someone who knows a lot more about sports than you and say, I'm better at you than filling out a bracket. Happens every year and will continue to happen for as long as we have this tournament. However, there, I will say there are some things that I think are important to consider as you're filling one out, and hopefully I can help you with that today. Some tips and tricks on how to fill out that perfect bracket. Let's start at the top. Let's start with one seeds. It's easy to get enamored with the one seeds, and as you're filling out your bracket, you just, as you're like, well, this one seed's going to win, this seed's going to win, and then you end up, you get to the end of the tournament, and you have all four one seeds in the final four. It just happens. It's easy like that. Um, very rarely does that actually happen, but I will say, always pick the one seed in the first game. A 16 seed has only won one time. That was uh, two or three years ago, UMBC beat Virginia. And I don't, I'm not going to say that's not going to happen again because it probably will, but that is very rare. That is the outlier. And I would be shocked if it happened this year. So first things first, pencil in those four teams, Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas to win their first game and normally they do very well in the tournament and there's nothing wrong with sending those teams far I'm just saying every year we have one of those one seeds lose either in the second round in the sweet 16 and I definitely think that's going to happen again this year and so think about that another thing the reason that we love the NCAA tournament is because of the upsets so as you're filling out your bracket you need to be aware of that be aware as I mentioned of the seeding and just because there are teams that are seeded, number six, number five, that does not mean that they are going to beat the 11 or 12 seed. And what makes this tournament so difficult this year is that I truly think that there is not much separation between 
some of those teams that are are seated six and eleven or five and twelve. But at the same time, it's also hard to pick which ones are going to be upset. And in general, it's hard to pick that this year. We could have a bracket that looks crazy where you have teams from double-digit seeds making it, but we could also have a very chalky bracket because it looks like anyone can beat anyone. And so as you're filling out your bracket, though, especially look at those 6 and 11 games, those 5 and 12 games. And then I would I would suggest this happens every year. There are always upsets that people like, that we are circle. And this year I'll just give you an example. Right now everybody's loving you know, the South Dakota State over Providence matchup, myself included. South Dakota State played Alabama. They play amazing offense. They can score. Providence, I'll go ahead and break down this game for you. Providence is 25-5, and played in the Big East. They had a very good year. Ed Cooley deserves a lot of praise. But they win a lot of close games. They don't have those star players, necessarily. And they just got beat by 35 against a Creighton team, who is also missing some players. And I think South Dakota State is going to score the ball against them. It's an early game, one of the first games in the tournament. And I think they're going to win that game. And so everybody has those upsets that they're looking for, right? And we there are several in this year's tournament. You could go to UAB over Houston. You could go to uh, you know Virginia Tech over Texas. Any of those games uh, are upsets that we are looking for and expecting. But there's always that one game, that one game that no one has any clue that's going to happen and the upset, the inevitable, happens. David beats Goliath. Last year, it was Oral Roberts versus Ohio State. And I've been trying to look at this bracket. I really have been trying to think about who that's going to be this year. And I don't know if it's just... there. To me, there's no one that was underseeded in that way. There's not a 15 seed that I like uh, enough to beat the 2 seed. Duke is the best candidate, as I mentioned earlier. But I don't think CSU Fullerton will give them that many problems. The Jacksonville State has a chance to give Auburn a game. They gave Alabama a game. But I think Auburn, after the embarrassment of the SEC tournament, is going to play motivated and focused. And I know I've, I've disagreed. I've said on this show I don't necessarily love Auburn. But I think they have a very good path in this tournament. And I, when you have Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, you're a good team. And I think they get by them. And so that's what makes it tough, is picking that upset that we don't expect this year. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts, your suggestions on that. The one I'm kind of looking at is is Colgate over Wisconsin. I think Colgate is a dangerous team because they score really well. They shoot the three very well. And they were in the tournament last year, so they have that experience, and all those players mostly are back. It scares me, though, with them is that I think that they're streaky and Wisconsin is going to kind of wear them down. They have Johnny Davis, who is a very great player, and I think they end up winning that game. And so I don't see the huge upset this year in that regard, although I'm sure it will happen. And so I'm telling you right now, if one of the two seeds beats a 15 or one of the three seeds or 13, uh, excuse me, 15 seed beats a two seed or one of the 14 seeds beats a three seed, I will not be surprised at all. I just don't know who to tell you that will be. The other hard thing about picking a bracket is that once you pick those upsets, we think our first-round games are, oh, I got that upset right. And then we just kind of go chalk the rest of the way. The one seed still makes it. The two seeds still make it. And that's not how it's been going the last several years. Last year, we saw Oregon State and Loyola Chicago play in the Sweet 16. And we've seen UCLA go from the first four to the final four. And so that's the tricky part about the bracket is you have to look beyond just those first round games and you have to advance some of those upset teams 
further on into the bracket because it happens every year. And once again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you who those teams are going to be this year. It's really hard to determine. It could be chalky, but I don't think that's going to happen because it, it rarely ever does. The teams that I am looking at, I don't... What makes it so tough is we've seen so many double-digit seeds begin to make it to the Sweet 16. And I'll, I'll be honest, I have my bracket filled out right here in front of me, and I don't have one in the Sweet 16. And I know that's probably incorrect. I don't see a team, though, that I fully trust to make that run. Virginia Tech is going to be the hot name. They just won the ACC tournament. And they very well, I have them beating Texas. I will tell you right now, personally, I never trust Texas. They choke every year in the tournament. A team that lost to Abilene Christian last year has no business, no business, saying they should be the favorite over a Virginia Tech team that is very hot right now. So I have them beating Texas. But I do not see them beating Purdue in the second round. I tried every which way to think of it. I want I want it to happen. But Purdue is very talented. They have Jaden Ivey, who's going to be a lottery pick. They have big man Galore and Zach Eddy and, and Travion Williams. And I think I see them getting past Virginia Tech. But I would encourage you that if you have a team in the, that double-digit range that you like, whether it be a Michigan as an 11 seed, whether it be a Miami, if you will, or whether it be a, uh, I don't know, I don't really know, one of those upset teams, UAB, Chattanooga, Vermont, one of those teams then do it, then pick it. You you could be right, and, and one of those teams will probably make a run this year. Personally, I don't see it, but I know I'm going to be wrong. Another thing is, because of, to me, the volatility at the top this year, I think there's not much difference, really, between a one seed and a four seed or a five seed, or a two seed, definitely between like a two or three seed and a five or six seed. And it happens every year where one of those mid-seeded teams are going to make a run. Last year was kind of the exception because we had three ones and an 11 seed in UCLA. But I think this year you're going to see some of those four or five, six seeds make a run to the Elite Eight and possibly the Final Four. And so you would have to think, you need to think about that as well. And it happens every year in the Sweet 16, they knock off one of those one seeds. And I think that's going to happen uh, this year as well. For me, I'm looking at Iowa. And I'm kind of cheating into my next segment where I'm going to break down just the teams. But Iowa is phenomenal on offense. They have Keegan Murray, who I think the world needs to know about. They just won the Big Ten tournament, which is proclaimed by the committee as the best conference in the country. And they're going to get to play Richmond, a team that would not have been in the tournament had they not won their conference championship. I think they're going to get to play South Dakota State in the second round. And then they're going to play Kansas who I will admit, I on this podcast, that I don't trust Kansas. They have stepped it up at the end of the year, and they are a very dangerous team now with a lot of experience. But I still like Iowa over them. That's my, that's my matchup in the Sweet 16, where I think Iowa offensively is very dangerous. They're going to match up well with Kansas. Kansas is not huge size-wise, and I think the Murray brothers are going to be able to take advantage of that. And I have them getting past Kansas. So look for those mid-seeded teams to advance. I know a lot of people like Illinois. I do as well. Uh, I know a lot of people may like UCLA. I do as well. So if you think those teams are going to make a run to the Final Four, then you have every reason in the world to pick that and to expect that. All right, I'm trying to think any more tips and tricks that I would have for you. One seeds will make the Final Four. That's going to happen I would not be shocked about that at all. Uh, 
Um, it's just hard to know how many. Last year we saw three. This year I only have one. I only have one one seed. And like I said, I think that's just because the volatility at the top, there's not much difference between a one seed and a three seed or a, one, a two seed and a four seed in my mind. And so I think we could see kind of a spread out seeding pattern once we make it to the final four. Now, if you want to take it, those are the tips and tricks I would say if you're just filling out a random bracket. Also, you can go the fun way. And, and I'll say this, uh, we're this is kind of giving a little hint of what we're going to talk about later with Charlie. But if you just want to fill it out, you know, luck based by flipping a coin or, or looking up the mascots of the team, then you do that. Like I said, you might end up winning your bracket pool purely based on the fact that you like a Hokie more than you like a Longhorn. Or that you like a Hurricane more than you like a Trojan. And if so, then you need to do that and you will be lose no sleep at night because you didn't put the effort and time in that these people who think they know about college basketball did. And so that's fun as well. But if you really want to dive deep into these teams, there are three things that I look for in, in a good team to make a run. Number one, they have to be a team that has an identity. A team that you know what you're going to get out of them in the tournament, that knows how to play in every game they're going to play the same way. And that's why I don't like Duke, because I don't know what Duke's identity is. Yes, they have Paolo Bencaro, but I don't know if they're like they can score. Yeah, they're good on offense, but they are not good defensively, and I don't know really know what their offensive identity is. And so give me a team that may be a 5, 6, 7 seed every day that knows who they are, maybe is not as talented, but they're going to play the same way every game. And that's what you have to look forward to, forward to uh, is that a team, teams that have an identity, whether on offense or whether on defense, you know what you're going to get out of them. That's who you look for. And I'll tell you right now, in that same bracket, the three seed is Texas Tech. And I like them a lot in this tournament because you know exactly every game how they're going to play defensively. They're going to kill you. They're going to maul you. They're going to make it hard for you to score on offense. And they will make you miserable. And even if you do end up winning because they're not great offensively, it is going to be a battle to beat that team. And those are the teams that I trust in this tournament, those teams that you know have an identity. And so if you're looking at your bracket and you say, you know, I know what I expect from this team. I know this player is going to give me that. I know this coach is going to give me that. Then trust that team going forward than the team you don't know as much about. The second thing I look forward to is you have to have somebody who can make big shots at the end of the game. And these streaky shooting teams a lot of times that just have a depth of players, they don't really have a star, but they score by committee. If they have a that that is a blessing and a curse because it means anyone can save you in the tournament. It means anyone can have a big night, but it also means if you have a cold shooting night, you don't have that guy that you can go to and say, get me a bucket at the end of the game. And there are several um Teams in the tournament this year I like and don't like because of that fact. One team I do like is Iowa because they have Keegan Murray who has emerged averaging 20-something points a game who I know Iowa can say, go get me a bucket, and he can. And there are several other teams like that as well. Wisconsin has Johnny Davis. Uh, To some extent, Auburn has Jabari Smith. And so those teams that have those bucket getters at the end of games are going to be able to win the inevitable close games that come along in March Madness. You have to have it. You see that every year. Think about last year with UCLA. It was Johnny Juzang winning games at the at the end. That's why Alabama couldn't beat them because we didn't have we were a better team, I feel like, but we didn't have that guy who could go score a bucket at the end of the game. You saw that with Jalen Suggs. You saw that with Baylor and Davion Mitchell. 
They all had those guys. And what's amazing is when you can couple that with a complete team, with a team with a lot of depth. And that's what we saw from Baylor last year. Is they were deep up and down, but they also had a Jared Butler and a Davion Mitchell at the top carrying that team. Um, and there are several this year that I, that I think have that. The other thing that I think, um, the last thing I'll say is important, is you got to have size. You have to have really good big men. And I know the big man is a dying art in college basketball. And sometimes we have seen guard-oriented players. But it seems like every year there's always that really good forward, that really good big man that kind of is able to guard and protect the rim and score enough. And those are the teams that make it. And so that's why I like I like Gonzaga because they have two, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. I like Kentucky and that they have Oscar Shibway and several other impact players that have size. Illinois has Kofi Coburn. Tennessee has several guys. Iowa has Keegan Murray. Auburn has Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, arguably you know, the best duo along with Holmgren and Timmy. And so those players who have the size to, to defend, to score, I like teams who have that. And certainly there are other teams as well. And, and I go back and forth because I do think it's important to have a team that has a lot of depth. But I trust in players who I know are going to perform every night out, or at least should. And teams that have that kind of just four or five players who all give you 10 points a game and that depth, I don't trust those as much. I, I don't. And I, I, I'm more nervous about advancing those teams. And so I'd like to know if you have any tips or tricks that you think you should help that you can help me with to fill out a perfect bracket, then let me know. There are some for me. Once again, you know, trust in those one seeds early on. Pick a couple to make it pretty far. And, and if you have one winning, then, then that's great. Pick pick those upsets. 6-11. I'll, I'll let you, I'll just go ahead and let you know uh, we're about to get into the teams and, and break down more of that. But in the 6-11 matchups, I have Michigan winning. I think Colorado State's had a great year, but I trust Michigan more. I think they have excellent front court players in Hunter Dickinson and Caleb Houston, and I think they're going to win that game. I have Virginia Tech over Texas. We've already discussed that. They have several, and this is where the depth does help, is that they have four or five players who can score uh, 15 to 20 points in any given game. I also am nervous for Alabama, and I will say I – and pretty heavy SEC in this tournament, except for Alabama. And I think Alabama can win that first game, but it's going to matter who they play. And if they play Rutgers, then I'm kind of nervous they're going to lose that game. I have South Dakota State beating Providence. And I actually don't have a 12 seed beating a 5 seed. And that's probably wrong because it's probably going to happen. But I looked at those matchups, and I really like the 5 seeds this year. I like Houston, and I think their size will give you – that UAB is going to be the hot pick. And I think they'll give them – their size will give UAB problems. And Jelly Walker is going to score 25, 30, but I don't know if it'll be enough. I, I've already discussed how I like Iowa. I think St. Mary's has had so many chances in the tournament. They're not going to give that up this year. And I think uh, UConn as well will handle New Mexico State. And then finally, as we talked about, once you pick those upsets, you know, think about who you're going to advance in the tournament. Don't just pick the upset for the first game and then say, well, it's chalk the rest of the way. And then you look down at your bracket and you have one seeds in the final four. Think about some of those mid-seeded teams, some of those upsets that you have to advance to the Sweet 16, to advance to the final four. And so I hope, I hope you have that feeling after you fill out your bracket that it's perfect. And I hope one of these days someone will get there 
My hope is not high that it will happen, but you never know. And that's why we fill out a bracket, and that's why we dream. All right, we're going to take a very quick break, and then I'm going to be back to break down. I know I've already done it some, but more in depth, the teams that I like to make a run this year, the teams that we should be walking out, looking out for, and the players that are going to make a name for themselves in this year's NCAA tournament. We'll be right back with that. All right, we're going to move into breaking down the bracket that we've been given by the committee region by region. I know I've already kind of done this a little, but I wanted to make that more first part as an overview of just March Madison in general and the tournament and how to fill out a bracket generally. And I did pull some examples from some of the teams, but now we're going to dive in deep into each team and more look at, you know, the specifics of their roster, the players, and who I think is going to advance into the tournament. And so there's going to be, you know, some breakdown here of, of just the teams in general, but also this will probably help you fill out your bracket as well. I'm going to try to do it through the lens of objectiveness. And even though I'm going to talk about the teams that I like, you don't have to like the same ones. And so hopefully I'll talk about the teams that even I have getting eliminated early, and you might be able to pick them as well. But let's start in the West region. Number one overall seed, Gonzaga this year, 26-3 record winners of the West Coast Conference in the regular season and in the conference tournament. Uh, let's let's do the top four seeds in this region for each. I'll do that for each one. We got number one seed, Gonzaga, the two seed, Duke, the three seed, Texas Tech, and the four seed, Arkansas. Uh, I think this is a pretty, a pretty, um, a good region, a pretty strong region. Um and Gonzaga is going to have some difficult matchups. Like I said, I, I obviously they're going to beat uh, Georgia State. Uh, that would be a shock if it didn't happen. But the interesting thing about Gonzaga to kind of break them down is that depth-wise, they're not necessarily a deep team, but they have seven guys who are all really good. Their starting five is pretty. Now, obviously, later on in their NBA careers and their college careers, there's, there's going to be separation of talent. But any of them can score the same number every night. And obviously, they're led by Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy in that front court, but they also have an excellent backcourt uh, with Rasir Bolton, the transfer from Iowa State, Andrew Nimhard, formerly the point guard at Florida, Julian Strother, who's kind of come on as the small forward. And each of them does something important for the team, and there's that depth of talent there where you can't just key in on one guy. However, what I think is going to be important for the Zags in this tournament is obviously, you know, their stars have to play well, and I think Chet Holmgren is going to be the key. Because the tournament is where you really see what these freshmen are made of. We saw, you know, Carmelo Anthony all the way back in 2003 take Syracuse to a national title. We saw Derrick Rose do it with Memphis. We've seen it throughout the years with Carl Anthony Towns taking his Kentucky to the Final Four. Zion Williamson. The list goes on and on. And that it's not always an indicator of what type of player they are in clutch moments, but it, it does give you some kind of sense of that. And I think Chet has a really good chance to either blossom in this tournament and really carry the Zags to the championship, or he could wilt. And we've kind of seen him do both at times this year, depending on who he's playing. And so that's going to be really interesting to see. I think we're going to get what we get from Drew Timmy. He's not a dominant player, but he also is going to go out there and give you almost a double-double every night. 
their guards are also important as well because if when Andrew Nimhard plays well, when Rasir Bolton plays well, and they shoot well, they're really good. It's hard to key in on just the front court if you're having to guard the outside shot as well. And at times they've shot it well this year. At times they've not. They've got some bench players and Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman who can do that as well. And so that's going to be a key. Obviously, not every night everyone's going to be on, but they have to get some production from those guards. Um, I'm not going to go game by game necessarily in every region, but in the 8-9, and and I didn't mention this in how to fill out your bracket, but the 8-9 games are so difficult. And if you go back and look at the records, they're almost identical over the past 20 years or so. And it's so hard to pick these games, and you kind of just have to look at what you think is the, the, the better matchup. Memphis has been an interesting team this year. They lost to teams such as Georgia uh, and a couple of other of other teams like that. But they also beat um, you know, Alabama. They also beat Houston twice. So they have the talent uh, to, to make a run and to make some noise. Boise State's an interesting team as well. They're very experienced. They won the Mountain West Conference this year. And personally, I like them in this game. They play defense, and I think they're going to give that young Memphis team some trouble. Looking further down this bracket, it's it's interesting. And and I don't have right now an upset penciled into my bracket in this region. Now, depending on how Rutgers or Notre Dame looks in the first four, it, I think it's going to help me determine whether or not they beat Alabama. I still have hope for Alabama that if they play offense the way that they can, they should beat either one of those teams. But I'm going to see how Rutgers and Notre Dame look and then probably end up making my final pick off of that. But right now, I have no upsets in this bracket. I don't think Davidson will upset um, Michigan State. And I don't think I don't think Vermont or um, New Mexico State beats UConn or Arkansas. Those two teams are really interesting. Um, UConn is really good. And I've talked about this with some, with some other people. They have a good guard in RJ Cole. They have athletic wings and then their two big men are really good. So no go is a, is a post player that can really take over a game for Arkansas. They have a guard in JD Note who could be the best scorer in the tournament when he's on. I heard, I can't remember. I think it was Seth Greenberg the other day on ESPN say what really determines Arkansas is if, is whether JD Note wants to play for Arkansas or he wants to play for the other team. And he does that by how engaged he is in the game and the shot selection that he takes. And I think in this tournament, he's going to play really well. I like both those teams to win their first-round matchups, and then I like Arkansas to beat UConn. The Arkansas-Gonzaga game, because that's what I have in the Sweet 16, is going to be really interesting, I think. Because J.F. Jalen Williams, Arkansas does, a really solid post player who is probably going to be able to handle Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren pretty well. But it's the rest of that Arkansas team, I don't know how they're going to be able to defend Gonzaga. They're really physical. And if J.D. Note scores well and they get some shooting from uh, Amude and some of those other guys, they could give Gonzaga a game. And that's one of those games I'm thinking that Gonzaga could trip up and lose in. I think they make it past the first two rounds pretty easily. And I'm also not discounting UConn. UConn's really good, and they could beat Arkansas as well. And I, I, at first... I before the brackets came out, I thought UConn could be a team to make it to the Sweet 16 in Elite Eight. I just don't like the matchup with Arkansas, and I think they could beat them there. But that's who I have: Gonzaga and Arkansas in the Sweet 16. With Gonzaga, I do have them eking it out over Arkansas. The bottom of the bracket is fascinating to me because you have Duke as the two seed, and I've already, 
I don't want to say hated on them or complained because Duke is a good team, but they don't have, as I talked about, an identity. And that's what's so important in March Madness is that when things aren't going well, when there's inevitably going to be that game where you just don't have it, you can fall back on your identity. You can fall back on a player even to perform. And they have Paolo Bancaro, who's going to score 20 in this tournament every night. But I don't see them not only not playing defense to at a very high level, but knowing where to go with the ball when they need a bucket. And they have a very talented team, don't get me wrong. But I have them beating CSU Fullerton and then falling to Michigan State. Because Michigan State, they've they've come on at the end of the year. And while they definitely have some flaws, they're one of those teams that has a lot of players that play, a lot of depth, no true star. They have an identity. They play good defense. And it, while they are offensively challenged, they have players who can make shots. And I think they're going to give Duke some trouble. I think they're going to play tough defense on them and rattle them a little bit and ultimately get past Duke. And I could be completely wrong. Duke could come out, hair on fire, play for Coach K. And we see, you know, Wendell Moore and A.J. Griffin and Powell Bunker carry this team to the Elite Eight and beyond. But personally, I think Michigan State will beat them in, in the second round. And this is the scary thing about doing an episode like this is I'm putting these things out here. I know. I'm not saying this is factual. Any of this is going to happen, but it's just what I've seen. And as I mentioned, there are markers you look for in teams, and Duke does not have the marker of a team, to me, that is going to make a run in this tournament. And like I said, could be wrong, and I'm please don't crucify me, although I'm sure no one will. But, you know, very easily Duke could make a run as well. Texas Tech, they're, they're the fascinating team in this bracket. I have them going to the Elite Eight. And I think it sets up well for them. If Alabama wins, I don't think Alabama matches up well with Texas Tech. I also think Texas Tech will handle Michigan State pretty easily. And and if they do get to play Duke, they are going to make the Blue Devils miserable. Those freshmen, those young players are not going to know what hit them when the Texas Tech defense comes at them and pounds them. They are offensively challenged. They have been hurt with injuries. But they also have several players who can score, who can put the ball in the basket. They have the greatest name Named player in the tournament in Adonis Arms, an absolute godlike name, Adonis Arms. And they also have some other Oral Roberts transfer, uh, O'Banner from last year, who had a really good tournament. They have guys who've been there and they play good defense, and that wins you games in the tournament. And it's, I, I think they will give Gonzaga problems in the Elite Eight, but my problem with Texas Tech is I don't know where the scoring is going to come from. And Gonzaga is by no means necessarily a great defensive team. They've given up a lot of points this year. They let Alabama score 90 on them. But I think Gonzaga is going to score every night, and they're going to play really well. And we saw this a couple years ago that Texas Tech beat Gonzaga, if you remember. Um, I think it was in the Elite Eight with this style of ball, just beating them to a pulp. So it could very well happen, but I do like Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four out of the West region. As I said, don't have any upsets in this bracket. New Mexico State doesn't really give me the vibe that they're a team that could make a run. They don't have that star player that we see um, some of these other upset teams like last year with Jalen Preston, things like that. I don't really see it from them. They also, um, you know, Vermont scores really well. And they're not just your typical America East team that's going to roll over. No, by, no, by any means. 
But I think Arkansas is superior athletically. They're going to play tough defense. And the only way I think Vermont wins is if they come out and shoot the lights out. And very well could. But I like Arkansas in that game. So my Sweet 16 in that region is Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, and Michigan State with Gonzaga and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight and Gonzaga making it to the Final Four. So there's that one seed I was talking about. And, you know, that bracket is kind of chalky for me, although I do have Michigan State in the Sweet 16. But I do think Gonzaga is the best team up and down. Now, that mean, that doesn't mean they can't have an off night. And like I said, what worries me about them is they're not super physical. And when they play physical teams like a Texas Tech, they can get pushed around. And that Elite Eight game terrifies me. So if you have Texas Tech against them and you want to pick them to make the Final Four, go ahead. They've proven all year they can beat anyone. But I do like Gonzaga. And now as I'm talking about this, I'm, I'm second guessing. I really am. But I don't know if Texas Tech has the offense. All right, let's move to the East region where we have the last number one seed, I think if I'm correct, in the Baylor Bears at the one, Kentucky at the two, uh, you got uh, Purdue at the three, and UCLA at the four. Interesting region as well, and, and all these are. Uh, Baylor is my one seed this year. I'm just going to come out and say it that I don't think is going to go very far. They dealt with injuries. They haven't had necessarily uh, necessarily a complete team. And they were one of those teams that I was talking about. While they do have an identity, they don't have a star. They have six or seven guys who all average about the same amount of points. And when you don't have that go-to guy in the tournament, it can cause some trouble. And they've they've shown that they've lost their first game in the Big 12 tournament, so they're not playing super well at the moment. Um, and I think that, that they could run into some trouble pretty early on here. In the 8-9 game, it's North Carolina versus Marquette. And I don't know why, because they haven't necessarily given me any reason to other than beating a Duke team that I don't, I've already said I have problems with. But I'm very bullish on North Carolina. Armando Baycott is for real. Caleb Love is a good player. Brady Manick, the Oklahoma transfer, has experience. They have, they're not deep at all, but those five that they do play, and we've seen teams like this, if you have a really just strong five that you can put out there in the tournament and they can give you maximum effort, don't have to worry about tomorrow, they can make some noise. And so I like North Carolina to beat Marquette, and I like them to beat Baylor. And I think that's going to be a tough game for North Carolina if they get into some trouble because they, they can be immature at times. But I like Armando Baycott to, and, um, and Brady Manick to really control that game. And then I like Caleb Love and R.J. Davis to score some points for North Carolina. And and once again, that could be completely wrong. Baylor could come out in the tournament and look great. But for me, they're the one seed that I have losing early on. Uh, two seed Kentucky. I'm just going to say right now that I love the makeup of this Kentucky team. Once again, this might be my SEC bias coming out. And they didn't look exceptionally great against Tennessee. They didn't. But Oscar Sheepway, is, they, they epitomize what I've talked about in a good team. In the tournament, they have depth. They have big men and Oscar Sheepway and Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware. They have really good guards in Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. And when Kellen Grady gets hot, they're a very hard team to guard. Very hard. And yes, they have some inexperience at times. Yes, they sometimes can go cold on the offensive side of the ball, but they're going to play defense. Cal's going to get them to play hard. And they have that identity in Oscar Sheepway. And an attacking style of Ty Ty Washington and Keon Brooks, players like that. And I like them, to, I'll just go ahead and say, to come out of this this region. I like them to be in the Final Four and meet Gonzaga. Um, and I think it's going to be a pretty easy road early on. Whether Murray State or San Francisco, not going to go into that game. 
you can pick whoever you want. I have San Francisco. Uh, that might that's a little bit of an upset, but I think Kentucky's going to handle those those first two games pretty easily. Um, the three seed Purdue, they're an interesting because makeup of a team because they have it. You would think everything. Their guards, their guards are kind of iffy. They don't really have a true point guard, shooting guard that's solid. They have a shooter in Stefanovic. Their big men are elite. Jay Nivey, uh, you can call him a shooting guard, forward, whatever you want. He's going to be a lottery pick. He performs every game. Their big men are hit or miss, though. Eddie and Williams are excellent. Probably, once again, you can put them up there with the Holmgren-Timmy duo, the Smith-Kessler duo. They don't shoot necessarily as well as either of those. But they are huge, and they can dominate a game in different ways. However, they've shown that they struggle to beat some of those top teams, and they haven't necessarily put it all together. And I'm actually waffling with them in Virginia Tech because I've already said Virginia Tech's going to beat Texas. I, I think it's going to happen. I'm just I'm talking myself into that. And that game's going to be interesting because Virginia Tech can score, really can score, and they have multiple guys who can do it. And Purdue, if they don't come out and play well, will get beat by Virginia Tech. But right now I have Purdue advancing to the Sweet 16. The 4-5 and five matchups are are very interesting. And I actually just changed this when I when I filled out my bracket because UCLA obviously, you know, is coming off the final four run from last year. But remember they were an 11 seed in that. And they had a lot of high expectations this year. They had covid issues, they had injuries. We haven't seen what this UCLA team is, and a lot of people are projecting them to be that team from last year. And I just don't that doesn't always happen. I don't know if they can get back to that necessarily. And so I have them beating Akron, but the five the five twelve matchup in this one is is interesting to me because St. Mary's is always a good team. They always push Gonzaga. They never quite are that level. But this year they probably had their best team in a long time, and they're a five seed. You know, very very respectable. They're going to get a first four matchup against I think probably Indiana. Could be Wyoming, and once again we'll find that out. And they don't necessarily match up great with those teams, but I think St. Mary's, if there's ever a year where they're going to get over the hump, it's this year. And if they do beat those first teams, I like them against UCLA. They got some size. They got some guards. I think, I know UCLA has the experience of being in the tournament, but St. Mary's really wants to prove they belong. And so I have them in the Sweet 16. Then I have them playing North Carolina, and that's going to be an interesting matchup seeing North Carolina plays St. Mary's. Once again, I'm trying to do this objectively. It could be Baylor and UCLA, and that's what the experts are picking, Baylor and UCLA. I'm just going a little off-center off here. I have North Carolina beating St. Mary's and then Kentucky beating North Carolina in the Elite Eight. A hard bracket to pick, and this is kind of the one where I didn't want to go chalky up top because I don't think Baylor is the one, is a great one seed. And they, they just got beat, and that, that's not always a telltale sign. But once again, I, I don't necessarily love the makeup of their team this year. So in the Sweet 16, I have North Carolina, St. Mary's, Purdue, and Kentucky. North Carolina and Kentucky in the Elite Eight, and Kentucky making it to the Final Four. So Gonzaga and Kentucky, the two teams I have so far, the one and the two seed. And I know you might be saying, you just told us don't pick ones and two seeds. Well, those teams are still the best, and, and they have a good chance of making it. And hopefully in these next couple of regions, I'll show you my uh, more uh, wild side, if you will, and, and picking not those ones and two seeds. All right, the South region. Arizona is the one seed. We got Villanova at two, three, Tennessee, and four, we have Illinois. And this is one of those regions where all the teams are kind of iffy. I don't trust necessarily 
the one I trust the most is the three seed in Tennessee, and I'll get into that in a second. But I don't necessarily trust any of those higher seeds. Arizona is a great story, but nobody even expected them to be this good. Their players, nobody even knew about Benedict Mathur and Kerr Krissa and, and Tabellis coming into the year. And now they've looked like a team that can win it all. And I'm not arguing that when uh, in this tournament. I think they'll beat, obviously, the 16 seed pretty easily. I think they'll handle Seton Hall or TCU. But what worries me is that those teams, it's very rare you see teams who have zero experience in the tournament with hardly any players who have experience in the tournament come in and just run through it the first year. And that's my concern with Arizona is that there are games where some of those were were Mathurin and some of those other players don't play very well. And I could see it catching up to them in one of these bigger pressure moment games and it snowballs and one of these more experienced teams that's been there that knows how to handle these moments catches up to them. And so I have Arizona making it to the Sweet 16 pretty easily, but losing there. And in a moment, I'll tell you who I have them losing to. At the bottom of the bracket, we have Villanova. And Villanova's been an interesting team all year. They, They were high at the beginning, kind of fell, then kind of held, and then now... They won the Big East Championship. And Villanova is the same every year as far as they play fundamental basketball. They score the ball very efficiently. Jay Wright gets them to play hard on defense, but yet they don't recruit the super stud athletes. They don't, you know, the defense isn't necessarily elite, and they don't they don't ever seem to have those really long and athletic big men. And they have they've had Mikhail Bridges, you know, in the past. He was a forward, but this year is no different. They have no really true big man. And they rely on smaller guards who are very fundamental and shoot the ball really well. And Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. They have Jermaine Samuels as well. So people that can score the ball, but I'm nervous about Villanova as well. Obviously, I think they'll beat Delaware. Um, I have Loyola Chicago beating Ohio State, and that's an interesting matchup. Loyola Chicago now is one of those programs like Butler was a while ago, Wichita State. They're in the tournament so often now that they're not going to be scared to play anybody. They know they can win. They know they can beat you. And even though Ohio State has EJ Waddell, I see Loyola Chicago winning that matchup. But getting back to then the, the Villanova facing them, I think Loyola Chicago could give them some problems. And Villanova showed in the Big East tournament that they can struggle to score the ball. But they can also win ugly. And they beat Creighton by 54-48. to so I like Villanova to come out of that game and, and make it to the Sweet 16. The middle of this bracket is where I think the the money is going to be made in this tournament. I've already expressed Tennessee was was mm, underseeded in my opinion. Um, winning the SEC uh, championship, winning the ending the regular season like they did, they beat Arizona already. Um, they've had a really good year. And they finally are rounding into form with all their players at the right time. And they have a great mix of experienced uh, players and also young players. Kennedy Chandler is really good. They have uh, Josiah James, Santiago Vescovi. And to me, they are the epitome of the makeup of a team that I like to see in a tournament. Really good front court play. Really good size. Really good veteran leadership. But also the ability to have an identity and to have guys who can, you can say, go get me a bucket. Kennedy Chandler has evolved into that. Vescovy can shoot the lights out. And so at the end of a game, if they need a bucket, they have several guys I think they can go to. And that's why I like Tennessee in this region. Um, above them, we have the the kind of the upset area of the bracket, if you will. Uh, I like Michigan to beat uh, Colorado State. 
I think, you know, they've had a lot of turmoil this year, but they're still super talented. And I think, you know, Colorado State, they've made a big effort to make the tournament this year, and I don't really know if they'll be able to get past Michigan. Then you have Houston versus UAB, Illinois versus Chattanooga. A lot of the, a lot of people like these games as upsets. And I'm not saying at all that it, it can't happen. Um, in fact, you know, UAB with, with Jordan Walker is very much likely that he could have a really good game. Some of those other guys could give them a lot of production. And they end up, you know, knocking off Houston. Uh, I actually got you know, some, some suggestions about them being an upset team. But I think Houston's size is going to give them some issues. UAB can get into foul trouble at times. Houston is still a really good fundamental team. And if they had Mitch Sasser, they'd be much better, but they don't. So that's unfortunate. But I do like Houston to win that game. And then Illinois, I, I had Illinois winning it all last year in my bracket. I thought they were really good. And they disappointed me. And like I said, the Loyola Chicago, they're for real. They were able to beat them. But this year, I think Illinois is more experienced, older, and really they have just as good of a team as they did last year as a one seed. They have still have Kofi Coburn. They have Alfonso Plummer now, still have Trent Frazier. They lost Desumu, but still, really good team. I think they handled Chattanooga pretty easily. I think they handled Houston pretty easily. And then that's who I have Arizona losing to in the Sweet 16. I think Arizona is going to get pressure that game. They'll be playing Illinois, who's has just as much talent as them. Illinois has been there before. They've played in the Big Ten in a lot of big games. I think Coburn is going to kind of intimidate Arizona a little bit, and I think we see them get past them into the Elite Eight. And Arizona, unfortunately, it's just it stinks because they have all the talent in the world, and they could make a run. They could. A lot of people have them winning it all. I don't know if they're ready for the NCAA tournament yet. Then I have Tennessee beating Villanova in the bottom of this bracket. And Villanova, if you're a Villanova person and you like them, then go ahead. Uh, they, they shoot the ball well, and they know how to win big games under Jay Wright. But I think Tennessee is objectively the better team in that game. Better guards, even though Villanova has a really good backcourt. And definitely a better front line. And they have size that can intimidate Villanova. And then Tennessee against Illinois. That's, I have Tennessee beating Villanova. Tennessee and Illinois is my Elite Eight, and I think that'll be a very interesting game. You can make a case for either of them, but I'm riding high on Tennessee's momentum, on their veteran leadership, and on their experience, and on their playmaking by those guards, by Candy Chandler and Vescovy, and Zakai Ziegler. I didn't even forget about him. They have a spark plug in Zakai Ziegler who can get you a bucket, he can defend. I have them going to the Final Four. All right, <clears throat> so I mean, I mentioned earlier about upsets, and, and I'll, I'll pause for a minute. That's what's so hard about picking brackets and analyzing is that there's always those teams who upset in the first round. They make a run. And I just, I don't know who that is for me this year. Um, I don't necessarily have any of those double-digit seeds making it to the Sweet 16. And that'll, like I said, it'll probably be wrong. I'm just not sure who that's going to be. And so that that one was, that bracket is chalky in the Sweet 16 for me. And then I have Illinois and Tennessee making it to the Elite Eight, Tennessee to the Final Four. All right, final bracket is the Midwest. And we have Kansas as the one seed, Auburn as the two seed. You have Wisconsin as the three seed, and then Providence as the four. I've already had reservations about Kansas, and I've said that on previous episodes. I don't necessarily trust them in the tournament at all. And I think that... 
you know, we could see some of those same reservations that I have um, still continue to be an issue. That they at times don't know how to score the ball. They're not huge on the interior. But at the same time, I think they've taken leaps and bounds at the end of this year. And with Oche Obaji, they have a legitimate chance to make a Final Four run. I have them winning the first game. I have them beating whoever comes out of San Diego State and Creighton. And I will say that's a toss-up game. I have Creighton. You can go either way. And I have Kansas in the Sweet 16. Go down to the bottom of the bracket. You have Auburn as the two seed. Um, You know, I said I don't trust Auburn. And I think that came to fruition. I think I was justified in that. They played Texas A&M SEC tournament, and they didn't look like a, a one seed. They didn't look like they were even, I don't know, they didn't look like a very good team in that game. And yes, they have Jabari Smith, and yes, they have Walker Kessler, but those guards have to learn how to take better shots, how to take care, better care of the ball. And they also have to just play better in general. They have to be able to score. I think Auburn gets past Jacksonville State, and I do think they have a favorable bracket. I like them to get past USC or Miami. And I like, I will break down that one a little bit. I like Miami over USC. USC, I think, is kind of uh, running out of gas at the end of the year. They're a really big team. They don't score the ball great, and they play a lot of close games. And Miami has uh, plays a really small ball. They're going to spread you out. They're going to shoot it, and I think they get past USC. However, I think Auburn matches up well with either one of those teams. And Jabari Smith and Kessler will have a big first opening weekend. I think they got something to prove and they'll get to the Sweet 16 as well. Looking at the 4 and 5 in this reason, um, Providence and South Dakota State. This is where I think the upset the upset will happen, uh, and that is South Dakota State will knock off Providence. And this is when everybody's calling, so it may not be the surprise upset. Providence has not looked super impressive to me throughout the year. They're 25-5, and five, but they win also close games. They win ugly games. And they don't have a they don't even really have like a go to star on that team really. And South Dakota State can score. They can. And so I think Providence maybe is an inexperienced tournament team, struggles early on. It's an early game. And I think South Dakota State comes out, plays really well on offense, scores enough to beat Providence. I've already expressed my love for Iowa. They won the Big Ten Championship. They have Keegan Murray. I really admire his game. They have experienced veterans at the guard position. They have Patrick McCaffrey. I think they handle Richmond, although Richmond is also a team that could pull off an upset. I think Iowa's just not the team to do it to. I have Iowa getting past South Dakota State then, I, although South Dakota State could continue the run. I just like Iowa too much. That's the thing with this year. with For me, picking those double-digit seeds to keep advancing is the next team they play is just not a good matchup for me. I don't see them being able to carry on that momentum. And, I, and maybe it's because I just like Iowa, and I like Purdue, so I don't think Virginia Tech will win. But... I personally think Iowa makes it to the Sweet 16 over South Dakota State. Then you get to the six and the three seeds. Wisconsin versus Colgate. Colgate could give them some trouble with some experience, and Wisconsin is very vulnerable. They lose to some weird teams. They don't beat anybody really badly either, but I think Johnny Davis plays really well. I think they beat Colgate. LSU-Iowa State's interesting. Obviously, everyone's talking about Will Wade finally getting fired, all the allegations finally coming to light. But I don't think that's going to affect them as much as you think. And I just don't really like Iowa State. I don't trust Iowa State. I think LSU is able to beat them. And then I think LSU beats Wisconsin. I, I do think that happens. I think they win a couple of games and make it to the Sweet 16. All right. At the top of the bracket with Kansas and Iowa. It's tough. Because like I said, I, I've said I don't trust Kansas. I've said that 
I don't necessarily believe in the team that they have. They always seem to fold in the tournament, but I do like them. And so it's a difficult decision because I, the, they're a one seed. They've earned it, but I'm still going to go with my gut, and I think Iowa beats them and makes it to the Elite Eight. LSU-Auburn. Um, I'll talk about this in a minute, but obviously I have SEC teams doing pretty well in this tournament. And I think Auburn obviously matches up pretty well with LSU. They beat them in the regular season. I have them winning that game. I think it's LSU gives them a game, but I think Auburn is just a more talented team. Auburn versus Iowa in the Elite Eight. That's my Elite Eight. And this is where I think what scares me about a matchup like this, and even if Auburn were to play Kansas, is they don't really have that big man that can guard a Jabari Smith or a Walker Kessler. Keegan Murray is really good, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And so I think this game could be really close. Uh, and I think Auburn, it all depends on how their guards play. It really does. How, if they, you know, turn Iowa over, if they are able to score. However, like I said, Iowa is my darling. They're my dark horse. I have Iowa in the final four. So my sweet 16 in that bracket is Kansas, Iowa, LSU, and Auburn. Iowa and Auburn in the Elite Eight with Iowa in the final four. I know we've run through this very quickly. I hope you know, you've know you heard me break down some of these teams. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. And your final four is in what you think is going to be different than me. And as I said at the beginning that I wanted to stress, I really have no clue how this is going to turn out. That's what's great about the tournament. You never know what's actually going to happen. And all these guesses and all these picks that I've told you could be wrong. So you just, at the end of the day, if you believe in a team, if you see things differently, then go with it. But my final four is Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Iowa. Very interesting. I got a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, and a five seed. I have Kentucky beating Gonzaga. I like Kentucky. I really do. I think they have the makeup of a team this year that can go all the way. They seem to get along with each other. There seems to be not a lot of ego on that team. And if Shebway plays really well in this game and they're able to, I think they'll they'll beat Holmgren up a little bit and they're more athletic than Timmy. I think they stifle them, and I think their guards are going to be really important as well. Tati Washington and Severe Wheeler are going to have a big game against Gonzaga's guards, and I think Kentucky beats them. And that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And if it happens, you'll hear, you know, a lot of really, uh, really good breakdowns about those two teams. On the other side, I have Tennessee and Iowa, which I think would be a super, you know, cool Final Four matchup between Iowa and Keegan Murray and, and Tennessee and their story. Um, this is where I think Iowa kind of meets their match against a physical Tennessee team, someone who can kind of take out Keegan Murray, can kind of make them play slower on offense, and then has the guards to really dominate them. And I think Kennedy Chandler has a big NCAA tournament. I think Vescovy shoots like he can. Josiah James shoots well. And Tennessee makes it to the championship game. And I'll admit, there's probably some SEC bias in me. There is. I mean, I, I just like the teams that play in the SEC. And I like the, I, I said, they, to me, have teams this year that have the makeup of, of ones that can make runs in the tournament. And so I have a Kentucky and Tennessee National Championship game. So very SEC uh, motivated. I think we've seen, you know, these, these two teams play three times now. Tennessee's won twice. Kentucky blew them out at home. It really could go either way for me, but personally, it's so hard to pick Kentucky because they've had the most success, but they also necessarily haven't gotten to the promised land a lot in these NCAA tournaments. But I do think Kentucky is built to win it all this year. I think they have, uh, you know, like I said, from top to bottom, 
with their point guard Wheeler, with Grady, with his scoring, with Washington scoring, and then with Keon Brooks and Sheepway and the big men that they have, they have a really good team. And I have them beating Tennessee 68-62. to So there you go. My national championship game. Kentucky and Tennessee, all SEC, and then Kentucky coming out on top. Let me know your final four and who you think's going to win. And as I said, it truly could be anyone. I'm just so excited for these games to start. So excited. There's not a better day in sports than the opening day of games when you know all those games come on four at once. They start coming down to the wire. You're flipping channels. There's buzzer beaters, everything, upsets. It's just there's so many storylines in one day, and you can't even focus on one because you're having to move on to the next. Truly a fan's dream, and I think we're going to get a really good tournament this year. I think we're going to see a lot of parody. My bracket is not as crazy as I think it will be. By no means do I think I have the perfect bracket. And so if you want to take some chances out there to pick your own, then do that. But really excited this year, and I think we're going to see some players emerge and lead their teams on some incredible runs. That's going to wrap it up for the main portion of our episode. When we come back to wrap it out, I have a very special guest on to do a really fun segment. So stay tuned for that. And we'll close out this episode of the Sports Mill Podcast. All right, welcome back into the Sports Mill Podcast. And we are going to close today with a very special segment and a very special guest. I have my brother, Charlie Miller, on to talk a little bit about the March Madness Tournament this year and this year's bracket. And then we're going to have a fun segment where we draft our own starting five purely based off the mascots in this tournament. A lot of people pick their brackets that way, but we're going to pick our five favorite mascots and then a head coach to coach that team based off their mascot. All right, Charlie, let's talk a little bit about March Madness and the bracket because you pick it as well as I do. Mm -hmm. You pick who you think is going to win. Indeed. So what do you do? What is your thought process when selecting a winner and picking the teams in your bracket? So first of all, I am, I mean, of course we go for Alabama, of course we'll tied, but SEC kind of has a bias. So, I mean, I have Arkansas, Kentucky, in the Final Four, along with Arizona and Iowa. And the reason I have that is because, not just because it's an easy, not just because it's, you know, SEC bias, but I think Arkansas kind of has an easy like bracket in the West with, um, they, I mean, Alabama really isn't that good this year. Gonzaga just kind of comes out of a bad conference, so I don't think they're very the best one seed. So I don't I don't think they have much of a problem, except for maybe Texas Tech if they beat Alabama and they get past them, and then maybe Duke if they get that far, and then Kentucky also kind of like that. Baylor they've been beat by many people, including Alabama, not even that good, and like I just think that Kentucky will is the same situation with Arkansas. I just have Arkansas beating Kentucky and going to the semifinals. Or the finals. And then in the South, in the Midwest, I have Arizona because I think they're strong one seed. And even though they might not have as much of tournament experience this year, but I do think that they're a good team. They will end up going to the Final Four. And then who I have winning it all and going to the finals with Arkansas is Iowa because I think they're a good pick. I think they're very underrated. If you look at their records, a very good record for. And then I don't. I think they're underseeded. So I think. I I wanted to give them some love because I know they're a good team and I have them going all the way. Yeah, you have Iowa and Arkansas in your 
championship game. So a different, probably a different than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I talked about earlier in this episode, you know, it really, we don't know what's going to happen in March Madness. And that way, well, yeah. that's what makes it so good. So you have Iowa winning it all. So what, mm-hmm. what, what led you to that decision? I just, I think it's, I think they're a good team. They're, I mean, they're a five seed coming out of the conference. Good record. Just and won the Big Ten? They just won the Big Ten tournament, of course. And I just think that's a really good reason to put them up there. And, you know, I just wanted to put them up there because why not? Why not do Right, yeah. You don't. You never know. And I think that's that's a good point. Okay. All right, let's get on to the fun part of it. So, I've tasked you with picking a starting five, if you will, of mascots in this mm-hmm. tournament. Okay? I've done so as well. We're, we're doing a draft of our favorite mascots. So... Uh, we can do this any way you want. You know, if you want to give a justification for why you picked that mascot as uh, and why they'd be on your basketball team, then you can do that. Or it can be as simple as you like the name, and this is just your five favorite yeah. mascots. So, start us off. Who's your number one overall pick in the 2022 NCAA tournament mascot bracket draft? So, so my favorite mascot probably here is the kangaroos. I mean, what? That's just a, well. We'll give some context because there's yeah. not that, that's not the so, name of the mascot. That is true. It's the Akron Zips, and a zip is, according to Google, it is a female kangaroo. And I mean, kangaroos is a national animal animal of Australia. It's very unique. I don't think there's a single other mascot in the whole entire, like American at least, sports team that is the kang the, the zips or the kangaroos, which is very unique, and I really like it. And it's just kangaroos are just cool creatures they're very very abnormal very very weird all right so the akron zips zip is a kangaroo mm-hmm. that's a fun fact of the day for our listeners okay my pick of the draft would be the uab blazers um obviously who doesn't love dragons that's exactly. a pretty sick mascot and uab uh being the Blazers is just really cool. You know, who doesn't want a fire-breathing dragon exactly. as their mascot? And obviously, I want to give UAB some love as well for mm-hmm. being from Alabama. And that would be my first pick of the mascot draft. Mm-hmm. All right. Give me your second pick, Charles. My second pick is a pretty close one. But I think I'm going to pick the Richmond Spiders. The Spiders is also a very cool mascot. I think it's very unique. And Spiders, when I think of them, is very quick and nimble. Put, probably would put them at a point card position or you know maybe like a small forward or something like that and you know they just move around very quick with their webs and you can get in different places very small quick and nimble so yeah richmond spiders mm-hmm. another cool mascot yeah that's what you like about the ncaa tournament is a lot of the, the best teams in these other sports we don't get to see the cool mascots yeah. we got some rich, richmond spiders i like it all right, my next pick would be the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Jackrabbits have always been one of my favorite mascots. I put them at the shooting guard position, run up and down the floor, you know, really a really speedy, quick player, and, you know, I think he's got a shot as well. So South Dakota State Jackrabbits to go along with my UAB Dragons. I think we got a solid, a solid one-two animal combo there on the mascot front. Um, as well as as yours with the mm-hmm. kangaroos and the spiders, mm-hmm. so interesting, interesting matchup there. All right, give me your third pick of the draft. My third pick is this is one. This is a fun fact about me. When I, I grew up, 
like when March Madness when I was younger, I would always just pick Alpha Matchbox. And I knew that the Spartans, which Michigan State, the Spartans, Michigan State Spartans, was like one of the greatest armies of all time. And I was very interested in it. And I put, the, I think I made them win basically every year because I thought the Spartans were so cool. And that's why I have them here today. You know, big burly men, a whole entire army, and they they were one of the greatest armies that has ever existed in the world, even though they were defeated. But, I mean, still, it's today they have some tactics that are still uncovered. We don't know, but some of them could have been the greatest of all time. Yeah, hey, get you a little history lesson in here, right? Mm-hmm. Learn about the Spartans. Michigan State Spartans, I like it. So you're now, it's interesting here. We went from the, the cool animals, mm-hmm. and now you're moving toward more towards if we were in a war, in a battle, which we know these games are, you got the Spartans on your side mm-hmm. to pull you through to victory. Interesting. All right, my third pick, I'm going to go with the Longwood Lancers. And I just, this had some influence from Drew. We were talking about with my other brother. I wouldn't have even known the Longwood was the Lancers. And the Lancers are apparently, you know, the horses that people with lances would ride and joust on. But I would encourage you to go look up a picture of Longwood's mascot because it's a horse that is like jacked. Yeah. It's a horse with muscles. So really cool, really cool concept, really cool idea. Kind of creepy as well. <laughs> but I want to shout out Longwood, their first NCAA tournament appearance, and they have a jacked horse mm-hmm. as their mascot. It's a, it's a burly horse with a fade. Who doesn't watch it? Burly horse with a fade. Yeah, that's what we're. It's what you watch the NCAA tournament for. <laughs> Indeed. All right, give me your fourth pick. My fourth pick would be the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I mean, it's just, I think, when I think of, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and when I think of, like, a Scarlet Knight, I think of, like, the red, the Royal Guards, which are red in Star Wars. And, like, you know, a plain old knight is just a gray knight. If it's a Scarlet Knight, it's probably a pretty high-ranked knight, and, you know, I would put them at my center. Knights are pretty burly men, very big, and they have very, very sorts of, various sorts of weapons and axe. You know, maybe like a lance, a sword, of course, like a an like a knife, something like that. I don't know. They have a lot of assortment of weapons, can do a lot of damage to a lot of foes. I would think, and that's why I picked them. So, what would be what would be the the specialty on the basketball court, though? You know, would be shot blocker. Mm-hmm. Shot yeah, blocker. Shot, blo- shot blocker, probably. Very good defensively. I Very good defensively. Yes. I like it. I like the makeup of the team. You know, like I said, mm-hmm. going military. Have that side of it, but also a couple of animals as well. All right, my next pick would be the Purdue Boilermakers. Not as much for the functionality on a basketball court, but I don't know. I've always loved the Boilermaker mascot, the idea of a train, and then of course they have the conductor as uh, the man as their mascot. Uh, really, it's a really good mix of what they are as a school and what they are good academically as, as engineering things like that. But also, it's just cool to have a, a train. Think about it. In football, a train on the mm-hmm. tracks is running through everybody. So the Boilermakers are my, maybe my power forward, if you will. All right, last pick of the draft playing-wise, who you got for me? My last pick are the TCU Horned Frogs. I've always liked them. And I'm, I've always liked frogs. They're very interesting creatures. They can jump really high, probably put them at, I don't know, like a shooting guard, small forward, that type of thing, or... Maybe, maybe I don't know, power forward, something like that. Like LeBron James type player if a horned frog was a real person. I mean, it's a frog, which is very cool. And they come in very different colors. They have different abilities they can use, like a tree frog or just a regular frog. You'll see, you know, maybe on a swamp or something. 
like maybe in Florida. I don't know. And, but it's a frog with horns. Like I think of a bullfrog or something like that. But it's a frog with horns. I think it could do a lot of damage with those. But like I said with the spiders, I think a frog would also be very quick and nimble. And jump very high. Probably slam on some people, I'm not gonna lie. If this was a little bit bigger, probably absolutely posterize some people. And, like, just, it could probably just, I don't know, pick up the ball with its horns. No one would guard him because the horns, you, you try to you try to block it, the horn go in your hand. That's, it. That's what's gonna happen. I can tell you right now. It's a fifth pick, but I think it's also a very strong pick, and that's why I picked him. Alright, hey, that sounds good. And you did a good job, you know, of evaluating those mascots, putting them on a team, putting them in a position to succeed. So give me your full starting five again. Don't have to explain anything. Just give me your mascots one more time. Okay, so I got the Richmond Spiders, then the Akron Zips, which are kangaroos, the Michigan State Spartans, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and the TCU Horned Frogs. There you go. Charlie's starting five of mascots in the NCAA tournament. My last pick is going to be the San Francisco Dons. Dons are such a cool mascot. Uh, go look up what the, the it looks like, but a Don is... Kind of a caped crusader type figure, if you will. Cavalier with a mask. Cavalier with a mask, wearing a cool hat. They just, they be the point guard of my team. They're a little mm-hmm. mischievous. They, they see what's going on on the court. They know what to do. They're scheming. They got the plays in their head. They know what's going on. So the San Francisco Dons would be my final pick. My starting five would be the Dons, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, the Longwood Lancers, the Purdue Boilermakers, and the UAB Blazers. And we have one more special pick, and that would be our, our head coach, the the leader of our team, the mascot that will lead us to victory. And, Charlie, I think you got a good one, so mm-hmm. tell us what it is. So my head coach would be the St. Peter's Peacocks, which is also, like the Akron Zips, I think is one of the most unique mascots I've ever heard of. Like, when I, when me and Drew were going with this, because he helped me pick out these mascots, when me and Drew were going through the mascots, he really were like, we can't, the brackets cut off, so we can't see St. Peter's, but... We were like, what is St. Peter's? It's a no-name school, not very no well-known, unless you're from there, probably. And we looked it up, and it's just a peacock. And I'm like, that's so interesting, because when I think of a peacock, it's just kind of showy, you know, kind of, but it's very proper. Like, I think of a proper person, I think of a coach. Or some coach, you know, a little slimy sometimes, but it could be different. But, I mean, they just a very colorful, very vibrant personality, very proper. I think he would be a good head coach to lead. Very good. I mean, he would... I think a peacock would drive in, like, a, a mentality into their players, for sure. <laughs> they would definitely do that. You think he'd make them have pride in the, the team? Exactly, Pride in the yeah. school? Yeah. I get that. I get that. It's a great pick. We both kind of went, I think, similar directions. I went with the Providence Friars, mm-hmm. which are Friars, a religious figure. So I think he could motivate that team with, you know, obviously... He could give them a lesson if they needed to on, on, on their morals, but he could also motivate them to play hard. And I've always just loved the fact that Providence is the Friars, a really cool-looking mascot. But like you said, you know, instill that mentality of we're going to fight to the end, endure to the finish line no matter what. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I go with the Providence Friars. Yeah. All right. So that's going to end our mascot draft, if you will. Anybody else wants to try that, let us know. Charlie, I don't think your team would be beaten, though. So if you were – last question. If you, Charlie Miller, were were school – What's your mascot? What's your spirit animal, or not even spirit animal? It could be anything. What's your? What would be your mascot? My mascot? Any anything? Anything? Yeah. Anything. I I would pick. So my favorite animal is a narwhal. Just narwhal. think about it. A narwhal. It's like I said. I, I'm 
I picked a couple unique animals like the the zips and the horned frogs and peacocks. I mean, and spiders. Like, there's not many spider mascots out there, I'm sure. But uh, narwhal, I don't think anybody would ever even think of that. And plus, you got the you know dangerous, menacing part of it. You got the one horn could stab you. Like, it's kind of in the shape of a lance. Probably hurt somebody really bad. I'm not even gonna lie. It's, that's what it's. Fun fact: the narwhal's horn is actually a tooth. That must be very painful. It's like if you've ever bitten yourself. Imagine just a horn of teeth going through you. If you tried to guard it, that would be very bad. So I'll put my mascot as a narwhal. Mm-hmm. So the Charlie narwhals. I'm if I was a mascot and my team was to represent me, it'd probably be something like the giraffes or something. Your you know, tall, skinny guy. Mm-hmm. That's also a unique mascot. Indeed. So, clay giraffes would be my mascot. Yeah. Yep. All right. Charlie, thanks so much for coming on today. Once again, Iowa Hawkeyes winning your bracket. Mm -hmm. I have the Kentucky Wildcats. Hope everyone will tune in on Thursday when the bracket starts. Our first, our first game. I'm trying to think what it is actually. Hold on one second. Uh, the first four will start tonight as this episode releases on Tuesday with two games, two of the 16 seed playing in, I, in Indiana and Wyoming. And then the games will begin Thursday, of course. We will have 16 games on Thursday. So all day coverage of that. Highly suggest you tune in. Uh, and, you know, as we were talking about, hopefully everyone will have the perfect bracket. Michigan and Colorado State will kick us off in the tournament. All right. Thanks so much again for joining me, Charlie. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you next time.